Blog Talk Radio. January 24th edition of the Habs 360 podcast here on allhabs.net. It is an all-star edition. I'm your host, Chris G. You can find me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. And with me, my co-host, my all-star co-host, his uh, Twitter handle is at Peter Galanos. Peter G, how are you doing? You're so kind, Chris. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And to have you along with us. So we'll be here for the next 60 minutes to bring you the latest on the uh, Montreal Canadiens. And the big news, it was announced, I would say about an hour ago, by Commissioner Bettman. He officially confirmed that on January 1st, 2016, it will be the Winter Classic in Foxborough between the Montreal Canadiens and the Boston Bruins. And hopefully there will be no uh, no uh, deflated pucks, hopefully, during that game between the Canadians and the Boston Bruins. So it should be lots of action. And Peter, Canadians, finally, I know in the past they played in a couple of Heritage Classics, which is in Canada, but uh, big news announced by the commissioner about an hour ago. Yeah, and with the 
I think it's just a great uh, chance for these two teams to uh, show off uh, their great rivalry on the national stage. And I mean, uh, these two teams have just such a great rivalry. And for the purpose of the uh, of the game is to also promote uh, the game of hockey and the NHL. And uh, what better way to do it with uh, two of the biggest rivals? Uh, in the NHL, playing amongst each other. I mean, uh, these two teams have played each other uh, a numerous amount of times, over a thousand, uh, like Gary Bettman said. And, uh, you know, I think it's just uh, a great way to showcase it. And uh, it's very rare that uh, they also put a Canadian team in the Winter Classic. So for them to take a chance by putting a... A team from a Canadian city in the Winter Classic shows that uh, how much they have a lot of confidence in the brand of the Montreal Canadiens in the national stage. And uh, I think it's good news for Canadians fans and Bruins fans as well. It's going to be a great day. And, and it's going to be a great way as well uh, for for the rivalry between the Canadians and uh, the Boston Bruins. These teams have faced each other numerous times in the playoffs as well. We saw it last year. It was... Uh, it was a great series. It went all the way to the end. So a series like this will definitely help that uh, that rivalry continue and uh, get even bigger and and bigger. And if if the teams, the Canadians and the Bruins, end up facing each other again this year in the playoffs, it will be even more spectacular next year when these two teams face each other at the Winter Classic. And I guess. We know for every year, for the two teams that are part of the Winter Classic, there's a reality show. Uh, other years, it was HBO's 24-7. Uh, this year, there was one on Rogers, and the name right now escapes. So next year, we might have a double dose of reality TV for the Canadians. We might have 24-CH, and we might have this, uh, there is this revised uh, 24-7 for, uh, for these two teams. So it should be great. Uh, send us your comments on uh, the Winter Classic at Habs360, and let us know if you're if you're planning on going, if you want to go, if you're looking for people to go with and you want to share with us, we'll be able to, and we'll be happy to spread the message as long as well. And who knows, maybe Habs360 might go on the, on the roads for uh, on that weekend for the Classic. So as we heard in the intro, Canadians played two games since our last episode as the NHL right now is on their all-star break in Columbus. So not no, no action since Wednesday night in the NHL on the Tuesday night to resume their, their season. Canadians played two games. They won both of them. 6-4 against the New York Islanders and the 2-1 against the Nashville Predators on uh, on the Tuesday. It gives the Canadians a record after 45 games played of 29-13-3 for a total of 61 points. In the Atlantic Division, they've dropped down to third place behind the Red Wings and the Tampa Bay Lightning. But don't worry, don't panic. Canadians do have games in hand over both those teams. Canadians have two games in hand over the Detroit Red Wings and they have three games in hand over the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
Canadians are two points behind the Detroit Red Wings, and they are three points behind the Tampa Bay Lightning. So very easily, the Canadians could easily be first or second in uh, the Atlantic. In the wild card race, Canadians have a four-point cushion on the Washington Capitals and the Boston Bruins, who are back in the wild card race. But the Boston Bruins are one of the teams that have played a lot of games, already up to 48 games. In the Eastern Conference, Canadians are fourth place. Besides the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York and the Detroit Red Wings, the Detroit Red Wings, sorry, let me start that over. Besides the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Detroit Red Wings, there's also the Tampa Bay, it's not a good day, it's the New York Islanders I was trying to see all this time, that are up there in the standings. The New York Islanders have 63 points. Canadians do have one game in hand over the New York Islanders. And if you take a look, at the standings in the NHL, Canadians are eighth place with a bunch of teams on top of them and below them. We won't go through uh, that list, but I think it's pretty impressive that Canadians are eighth place in the league over with uh, with 45 games played in their season. According to sportsclubstats.com, Canadians have a 98.8% chance of making the playoffs, so that's pretty much guaranteed. There's actually one team that's at 100%. I guess it's uh, I guess the, the the real number is 99.977% chance of making the playoffs are the Nashville Predators. So it looks it's looking pretty good for the Montreal Canadiens, especially considering the fact that the Canadiens did beat the Nashville Predators and did beat the New York Islanders. Over uh, in uh, over the last uh, seven days, our question of the day: Canadians now heading over, we could say, to the second half of the season after this All Star break, getting ready for the playoffs. Trade deadline is on March second, which is a little bit over a month from now. We want to know the Canadians last year made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Final against the New York Rangers. They were two wins away from making it to the Stanley Cup Final. So our question today is, does the Habs have what it takes to return to the Eastern Conference Final? If yes, tell us why. If not, what are they missing? You can let us know via Twitter at Habs360, and you can give us a toll-free call at one 455 the, the phone lines will be open throughout the entire second half of uh, today's podcast. And you can also head to our blogtalkradio.com chat room and you can leave your comments and we'll uh, definitely read them during today's episode. Coming up as well in the second half of the podcast, we'll be telling you about a brand new contest. To win an autographed picture from Alex Galchenyuk, courtesy of Frameworth Sports Marketing, which is a great company. They're, they're just, along with uh, the Habs360 podcast and uh, allhabs.net, will be able to, to give one Canadian Habs fan an autographed picture. We'll tell you about that in the second half. And joining us in about 10 minutes will be Terry Pekoski. She covers the Hamilton Bulldogs for the Hamilton Spectator. 
she'll be on to talk some Hamilton Bulldogs with us prior to their game this afternoon against the uh, Toronto Marlies in uh, Toronto. All right, so let's get us started and look back at Canadians' games this week. And let's start with the game against the New York Islanders. And broken up by Markov. Feathers it up there for Canets. With Patcher ready. Canets scores. Um, I really like what I saw from uh, all our all our lines. You know, I thought uh, the Plaquette line got uh, um, a good challenge tonight. And we play against the hottest team probably in the NHL. So uh, um, they got a big challenge to play uh, against quality hockey players, and they, they certainly did really well. But I like the way that we managed the puck with. All our for all the fourth lines and uh, was involved in skating well and and managing the puck and 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 we use our speed to make sure we're tough to play against. Saw some shots earlier which uh, helped me get into it. Um, as I said, you know, they made a push at the end. You know, I think it was uh, they started putting pucks to the net and um, you know when when you're down a few goals, that's what you got to do, and they started doing that. And, All right, so we heard from uh, we heard Thomas Plakainen's second goal of the game, which was his thirteenth uh, of the season, which was a Canadian sixth goal. That was a clip courtesy of Paul Romanek. And just in a side note, Paul Romanek wasn't feeling well uh, that game. That's why there wasn't much um, excitement in his voice. But in a word of advice to Rogers: if if the man wasn't feeling well, let him rest and send over somebody else to call uh, that game. We also heard from uh, the coach Michel Terrier, and we also heard from the goaltender Dustin Tokarski, who allowed four goals on uh, 31 shots against the New York Islanders, and nine times out of ten, that's a losing performance. But the Canadians were lucky enough; they scored six goals to uh, to get the win against Yaroslav Halak. So we didn't have that Halak versus Price, but Halak definitely he was yanked after 46 and a half minutes of play. Thomas Plekanec, he got two goals, two assists in that game, four points, and Nadja Markov got three assists. We've been jingling the lines pretty good. You know, you throw them in a lot of machine and shake them up, and, uh, and uh, you know, it unfortunately worked tonight right from the start. It just seemed like every line seemed to have some chemistry. Uh... So we heard there Dale Weiss talking about the new lines of the Montreal Headed into that game against the Islanders, uh, first line was Pacioretty with Plakainitz and Dale Weiss. Second line was Galchenyuk with Dernan Gallagher. There was a line of Yiri Sekach, Lars Zeller, and Christian Thomas. Christian Thomas, by the way, was sent down back to the Bulldogs. And the fourth line was Michael Bournival, Manny Mahotra, and Brandon Prust. So, Peter, last week here on Habs 360, when we were talking about the lines... Uh, we're both uh, guilty of this. We criticized Dale Weiss being on the first line. He scored a goal. Okay, I criticized David Dernet playing at center. You're okay with it? He got a goal. We both criticized Galchenyuk playing left wing. He scored a goal in that game. So we, we overall criticized the offensive lines by uh, by the coach. And, well, the Canadians ended up scoring six goals in uh, that game. So I guess we were wrong. 
Well, you know, uh, that's what Michel Therrien is there for. He's a coach, and uh, I guess he knows his team a bit better than uh, than uh, the media and the fans uh, know it. And, uh, you know, he took a gamble, he took a risk, and uh, it paid off for him against uh, one of the top teams uh, in, the, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, and, you know, some of the moves we criticize, but... Some of the moves, like we said, they're good temporarily, but in the long run, you can't stay with uh, Dale Weiss as your top line right winger. And uh, so, but these are the kind of moves that could work a game or two, but then eventually the league adjusts around that. So, as soon as I saw the result of that game, I said to myself, you know what? I won't, I'll never criticize the coach again, Michel Terrier, because it's not the first time he's done this where he's done moves that we don't agree with. And 99 times out of 10, it always comes out that it worked, even though that we weren't really uh, ecstatic about what he did. On the Tuesday night, Canadians against the Nashville Predators, Carey Price back in goal. So he just missed one game. Joe McDonald came in, got himself a bonus, went back down to, uh, to Hamilton. And... The game finished 2-1. Let's hear the game-winning goal. Off to Markov. The Shreveal Fires. So that was P.K. Subban, who scored his 11th goal of the season, an overtime winner to give the Canadians a 2-1 win over the Nashville Predators. And this was a game where it started off the Nashville Predators taking a shot lead of 14-4 in the first period. Nashville was a better team in the second period over the Montreal Canadiens. And like always, Carey Price kept him in. He had only allowed one goal at that point. And then in the third period, Canadiens came back strong. They were the better team in the third. They they, they led in shots 12-8 over the Nashville Predators. Then there was a controversial penalty against the Nashville in the time, which led to P.K. Subban scoring the goal. That we that we just heard. Moi, je pense que c'est un match qu'on on aurait pu gagner. On, je pense qu'on s'est fait voler par les arbitres. Est-ce que vous avez des explications pour ce qui s'est passé en prolongation? Euh, en prolongation, euh, je pense que c'est plutôt euh, sa première fois à ma carrière que je vois qu'il euh, qu appelle une punition en première, puis qu'il qu retourne euh, qu'il retourne leur décision. Je crois que j'ai pas compris. Euh, euh, Je savais pas, on avait des, des challenges comme au football. Euh, euh, ça s'appelle une punition. C'est la première fois que j'ai euh, fait partie d'une partie qui appelle une punition puis qui décide de, de changer leur punition. Euh, euh, puis la dernière aussi, je pense que ça hockey, c'était une bataille, une bataille sur la rondelle. Puis euh, je pense que c'était beau lieu pour eux autres. Ça faisait deux minutes qu'il était à sa patinoire. Puis euh, notre joueur il a gagné une, une bataille qui a été, qui a été appelée euh, pour une punition. Of course, it was a penalty. I don't know what he's complaining about. I, re I, I, I just check it out, and I would have been frustrated if they didn't call it. So we heard first from Mike Ribeiro in French saying that he, he said that the National Predators deserved to win uh, that game, but the referees took the game away from them for uh, for two controversial penalties. So there was two incidents. First one was in the first period where there was a, a penalty call against uh, Lars Eller when when it was the puck 
the hit, the the national player on uh, on the face started bleeding. The back official called a uh, a high staking. So then Andrzej Markov, who was on the ice, asked the official to go speak to his colleagues because it was pretty clear that it was the puck that hit him. The referees got the four officials on the ice, got together, reversed the call, and well, they they didn't call the penalty basically, so they cancelled the penalty. And Ribeiro saying thinks it's the first time that it's ever happened, which I disagree with. It's happened before, and he was saying well he didn't think there was any challenges that were <laughs> that were available in the National Hockey League. And then in the overtime period, there was a penalty that was called against uh, Smith for tripping on Lars Zeller. They weren't happy about it. Peter Lavillette wasn't happy about it either. It was it was a call that was made by a rookie official, John McIsaac, who refed less than 10 games in, uh, in the NHL. And the Canadians ended up scoring on that to give themselves a 2-1 victory. So Peter Lavillette was upset. After the game, we just heard from Mike Ribeiro, who was upset. And Peter, I'm wondering if the situation was reversed as half signs, do you think we would have been upset? Well, obviously, uh, I think if you're a fan of any team, you'd be upset uh, if one of your players gets called uh, for a penalty like that uh, at a crucial time. like that, I think I think I think we would be, yeah. And and I, the play, it wasn't clear cut, where you could say you know it was definitely a penalty, and but it wasn't clear cut either to say definitely it wasn't a penalty. I think they were mostly upset that it was called in overtime, but you know a penalty is a penalty; it should be called. And um, I know that if this would have happened the other way around, Montreal Canadiens fans, including ourselves, would have been upset by it, but. You know, like I say, at the end of the season, things definitely do uh, even themselves out. I think the problem is it's the hockey mentality. People are so used to uh, not having any penalties called in overtime that as soon as they do start calling penalties, they're like, hey, why are you calling penalties? You know, I've always believed that even in playoff overtime games, where you'd see so many plays where you're like, oh, that's an obvious penalty. I don't know why they don't call it. I, I'm I'm one of those that people that like penalties being called no matter how much time is left in the game, no matter what the score is. Uh, it's like football and basketball. Like, exactly. A penalty is a penalty. You call it any time uh, with any score, uh, no matter what the score is. So that that, that should always be like that. And Hockey never followed that, and that's why uh, some people react that way. So Montreal Canadiens ended up winning that game, like I mentioned, 2-1 to one over the Natural Predators, and the Canadiens, just like the rest of the NHL, currently on a all-star break. Speaking of breaks, we're going to take our first one. On the other side, we're going to talk some Hamilton Bulldogs hockey with Terry Pekoski, who covers the Hamilton Bulldogs for the Hamilton Spectator. You're listening to the, to the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, 
The team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM has proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundation, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, search Habs 360 on net or on iTunes for the archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. The RSM mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to uh, Habs 360. I'm Chris G at Chris G1980, along with uh, Peter at uh, Peter Galanos. A quick programming note. Next Saturday, Montreal Canadiens are playing an afternoon game, part of the Super Bowl weekend against the Washington Capitals. That is a 1 p.m. Eastern start. As a result, for one time only, next week, the Half360 live broadcast will be at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time. So adjust your schedules accordingly. And as always, the podcast will be available approximately 30 minutes at the conclusion of the live broadcasts. All right, we're going to switch gears now and talk some uh, Hamilton Bulldogs hockey. And joining us now live from Rico Coliseum, where the Bulldogs will face the Toronto Marlies in a little bit over 30 minutes' time. From the Hamilton Spectator, it is uh, Terry Pekoski. Hi, Terry. Thank you for joining us. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So, Terry, uh, the Bulldogs and the Marlies, they're pretty close in the standings in uh, the Western Conference. Uh, Both teams fighting for a playoff spot. Mm -hmm. For the Marlies, we're not surprised because, you know, they're part of the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. But uh, as you know, the Canadians and the Maple Leafs have had a long rivalry. Habs fans hate yeah. the Leafs fans and vice versa. <laughs> Is there such a rivalry between the Bulldogs and the Marlies? Oh, absolutely. And and there always has been. Um, and you know what? It's great because Hamilton, the attendance has been down a bit this year. And those Marlies games, you're always guaranteed to get a huge crowd because there's a ton of Hamilton, or Toronto fans, I guess, in Hamilton. 
So, um, yeah, the rivalry is still going strong. And, uh, I mean, particularly because these two teams play each other 12 times this season. So they, they face each other more than any other team. So they are in the, in the back-to-back situations right now. Last night, it was the Hamilton Bulldogs who beat uh, the Marlies uh, three to nothing. That game was in uh, Hamilton. Right off the faceoff, this one was set up to Nordy, and I can't quite catch the Comets player. Tenorti tries to come in with the right, leads with it. Just a couple of little left jabs. Payton tries to come back with the right, yeah, and yeah. then he KOs him. Uh oh. Payton came through with a right hand Tenorti's that took Tenorti out. out. So that, that was, was a nasty. clip from that was a clip <laughs> from January ninth as uh, Jared Tenorti hit the ice hard uh, during a yeah. fight with uh, Padan from the Utica Comets. Uh, yeah. Habs fans, Terry, are disappointed that Tenorti is playing in Hamilton instead of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, how has Tenorti looked with uh, the Bulldogs? You know, it's funny because that that always shocks me when I hear that. I, I've done a few sort of radio interviews with um, uh, you know different outlets in, in Montreal and they always ask me about Nordy and the truth is I mean I don't think he's been that impressive in Hamilton this season he uh you know three or four games might go by and and you literally don't notice him and then he he'll he'll show up and then he'll he'll lay a huge hit on someone and you're like wow you're you're here you're there there he is um and I, I think for him I mean as a, as a defenseman, it's not not bad not to be noticed sometimes because it, it means you're not making any huge mistakes. But if he's capable of bringing that um, physicality to every game, I mean, he, he has the potential to be a, a great player. But unfortunately, I mean, and this is my opinion, I don't think he's really shown that in Hamilton this year, which is unfortunate. And has that injury, uh, well, that injury that he suffered during the fight, has that affected his play either way in the good way or the bad way? No, not at all. Um, and you know what? It was kind of shocking because when, when you saw that happen, um, it, it looked absolutely horrific. There was uh, a huge puddle of blood on the ice. And, I mean, he just went down like a sack of potatoes. Um, and I, I figured, you know, he would be concussed or he'd be out, you know, for, for several weeks. But um, he was back a week later. Um, the bulk of the damage was just uh, dental so he got his teeth fixed up, um, and there were no concussion symptoms. They went through the, the typical protocol, and he he was okay. He was back. He was, you know, playing the same game he always does. He certainly wasn't shying away from um, hits or anything, um, and, and he actually played really well uh, his first game back, which I think was last Friday. Um, unfortunately, I mean, he's out of the lineup right now with the flu. There's a bit of a bug going around the team, and he is the latest victim. So, uh, so you didn't see him last night, and you're not going to see him t- today again against the Marlies. As Ven Andrugero caught the eye of Montreal Canadiens fans when he was with the team, uh, he became the first Habs player since uh, Pierre Mondou in 77-78 to get a point in each of his first three games. How mm-hmm. has Andrugero been since he was returned to Hamilton earlier this month? Um you know what he's he's played really well and I, I he's an interesting story because there was a real turning point in his season and it came sort of mid November the team was on a road trip to St. John's and uh Sylvain Lefebvre decided to make him a healthy scratch wanted to send him a bit of a message I, I think he thought he was floating a bit and maybe he wasn't playing his part defensively as well as he could be and um he, he literally has been a different player since then um, so he, he's playing a, a much better two-way game now. Um, he's playing some points up, 
but uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe not not as many as, as some people might hope. But um, but you know what? It, it's great that he's improved his game in that other way, and you can really see that now that he's come back from Montreal. Um, and I mean, his skills. He just he, his skills look more honed. You know, um, I, I think it, it was a really good experience for him to play up with the big club, and um, I, I think he's only going to get better from from here on out. So we're in conversation with uh, Terry Pekoski from uh, the Hamilton Spectator to talk some Hamilton Bulldogs hockey. Uh, Terry, at the opening of the Canadiens training camp, there was a lot of attention given to Tenority that we spoke about earlier and Nathan mm-hmm. Bolger on defense. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark Bergevin kept reminding everyone that there's also Craig Patteron. How is his yeah. season going? Uh, you know what? Greg right now is, is playing more minutes Um Per game than anyone else on the team and he's looked really consistent defensively um unfortunately for greg his production's down a bit over last year but i i don't think that's necessarily you know well obviously you'd like those numbers to be as high as they possibly can but um i mean he he's really contributing to the team in in other ways he's you know one of the most consistent players on the ice right now day in and day out and he's reliable, dependable. Um, whether he'll find that scoring touch again, I guess it, it's still to be seen. Um, but, I mean, Greg, Greg's a leader on that team, and I think the, the Bulldogs really need that. Um, and it's funny, too, because, you, you, you know, you look at those guys and the choices that the Canadians made uh, keeping up Nathan, and I, I think that was a, yeah, that was a great choice. Um, but I really think Pattern deserves an opportunity. I think for sure he's been much more consistent than Tenorti. Um and he he has just been playing better in my opinion. Um he he stands up for himself. He's a tough guy. He uh never shies away from the rough stuff and um I I'd love to see him get an opportunity up there. On Monday it's also the AHL All-Star game. And mm-hmm. the only Bulldogs representative is the leading scorer, Charles Ludon. Uh, mm-hmm. He's had quite a season, hasn't he? Absolutely, he has. He uh, he certainly came out flying this year. Um, Charlie is, is a really great player. He's exciting to watch. Um, offensively, obviously, there's a lot of firepower there. Um, I think he's um, I think he's still up around seventh in the league in scoring, um, even though he was leading at one point. Um, and he's still the top rookie. So uh, I think that was a bit unexpected, maybe, <laughs> to him included. Uh, and he just seemed really thrilled to be sort of on this ride right now. Um, it's interesting, though, because I, I think people maybe were a bit surprised when you see some call-ups, like Christian Thomas will get called up, or Sven will get, get called up to the Habs, and, and nothing's happening with Charles Houdon. Um but I know the Canadians are very, very committed to developing him at the AHL level, and I think that's um, that's a great decision. Uh, and one of the focuses, I know for sure, has been working on his defensive game. Um, and you really see that improvement. So I, I think his scoring pace has slowed down a bit um, in the last month or so. And a, a part of that is because he, he had great chemistry starting off this year with um, TJ Hensick. The two of them were often paired up on a line together, and together, I mean, they they were awesome. Um, and you see that from Hensick's numbers as well, so Charlie was helping him out too. And um, so the, the pace has slowed a bit since they were split up. Um, but again, I mean, and something too that you have to remember about Charlie that's that's not captured maybe in the numbers is that he's 
a really great playmaker. So he he's often making things happen, and it's not reflected in the stats. Um, but he he's a really great all around player, I think. Do you expect, do you expect Charlie Don, Craig Patterson, or maybe any other Hamilton Bulldog that we haven't spoken about so far uh, to get called up from the Canadians? Maybe somebody that we haven't seen so far. Um, I, I don't. Maybe not this season. I don't think the Canadians are going to call up anyone um, really crazy this season. I, I think that you know someone like. Jason Bowman, who who has a ton of NHL experience, right? He could um, he could fill a role if you need if you need someone to come up for a couple of games. He's reliable. He's a good player, and um, you know he knows the systems. He's uh, and he's got that experience. It's so important for taking that step up. Um, and I think you know what I think it's it's really great that the Canadians are committed to developing some of these guys. Obviously, someone like Pattern, who's been in the AHL a few years, is eager to get up to Montreal. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. There, there are a couple of guys that, you know, it's funny, I don't get asked about all that often that maybe not this year, but in, you know, in the next couple of seasons are going to make a huge impact. Um, and one of those, I think, is Daniel Carr, um, who, I mean, if you're looking at a player who's going to fill a spot like Brendan Gallagher's, I mean, he he's a really similar type of player and he's just been fantastic this season. And I hope that, you know, not this year, but maybe next year, he, he might get a shot up there um, because he's, he's one of the hardest working guys on the ice every night. And just one last question before we let you go, Terry. Uh, one mm-hmm. player that will definitely not get called up by the Canadians this year is uh, veteran Brian Allen, who the Canadians sent down to Hamilton on uh, January 6th. Uh, must yep. have been uh, difficult for him. Uh, what kind of a teammate has he been with the dog since he's been there? Um, he, he's a wonderful leader. I mean, and, and I think that that's probably the role that he's he's going to play in Hamilton. Um, defensively, he's been okay. He, um, I, I think maybe he hasn't been moving his feet enough in Hamilton, and sometimes he, he gets caught, uh, you know, not, you know, just not, he gets beat. Um, plain and simple, but the presence that he brings to that locker room, um, his size, his experience, I think is a great thing for a lot of these young guys that are still developing. And I think that really is the role that the Bulldogs are looking for him to play in this lineup. So in that way, I mean, yeah, he's, he's being successful already. So, um, so expect that, you know, expect to see him in that leadership role. Right, Twitter handle is Terry at the spec. Uh, she covers Hamilton Bullocks for the Hamilton Spectator. Terry Pekoski, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it and enjoy the game. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Take care. All right, so we got there some uh, scouting report from somebody who's close to the Hamilton uh, Bulldogs. Bulldogs, uh, they're on the ice right now for the warm-up. The game against the Marlies will begin in just a, a couple of uh, moments. And well, here at Habs 360, we like to hold several contests, allow our listeners and our followers to win prizes. And Peter, we have a new one to announce today. That's right. The uh, Habs 360 podcast is excited to provide a, a Habs fan with an opportunity to win an 8x10 autographed picture of Alex Galchenyuk, courtesy of Frameworth Sports Marketing. Frameworth is the largest distributor of autographed NHL memorabilia in the world and one of the largest distributors of sports memorabilia in North America. 
Now here's how to enter. You just have to follow Habs360 on Twitter. Tweet a photo to uh, at Habs360 of yourself wearing a Galchenyuk jersey or a t-shirt. And use the hashtag ShowYourHabs. If you don't have a Galchenyuk shirt, you can tweet a photo of yourself holding a sign that reads, I listen to Habs360 podcast on allhabs.net and use the hashtag ShowYourHabs. The deadline to enter the contest is on February 20 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. And that's all there is to to it, to enter the contest. At the end of the contest, the winner will be randomly chosen from all entries. For more information on Frameworth Sports Marketing, visit their website, frameworth.com. And to view your contest entry, visit showyourhabs.com. So that's a great prize, courtesy of uh, Frameworth uh, Sports Marketing. And, well, we, we've seen what what a picture looks like, and it's a beautiful picture. We'll be tweeting it out over uh, the upcoming days. It is a picture of Alex Galchenyuk along with uh, Kerry Price following a victory. So so it's pretty easy to, simple, to enter the contest, like Peter said. Do it. You can start entering as of now. And you can see your entries, like Peter said, at showyourhabs.com. All right, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we tackle our question of the day, which is, do the Habs have what it takes to return to the Eastern Conference Final? If yes, why? If not, what are they missing? You can also text us, or sorry, I should say tweet us your comments about the Winter Classic. You can also give us a, a call at one eight seven seven four five five forty nine forty five. It's a toll-free number. The phone lines are open for the rest of the episode. Habs360 is the Twitter account. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on nohabs.net. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs360 Podcast and Anthony from R2Canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs contest this season. The contest will run during every Habs home game in the regular season and will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of R2Canvas.com. Listen to the Habs360 Podcast and follow Habs360 and Habs Happy on Twitter for more details. And for high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit r2canvas.com. Good luck. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Frameworth Sports Marketing has been manufacturing high-quality sports memorabilia since 1992. By setting new standards in the industry, Frameworth is now the largest distributor of autographed NHL memorabilia in the world. Frameworth is an official licensee of the NHL, NHLPA, CFL, and Hockey Hall of Fame. Frameworth is also the exclusive supplier and distributor of autographed products for some of the best players in the world, including Sidney Crosby. Jonathan Tace, John Tavares, Alec Galchenyuk, and much more. 
Unlike other companies, Frameworth produces most of what they sell, and this allows them to guarantee the quality of every piece. For more information on Frameworth Sports Marketing, visit Frameworth.com. This is the Habs 360 Podcast, featured on allhabs.net. If it was not the quality of goaltending of Carey Price, um, probably would have been an, uh, end up to be a different result, but it kept us in the game, gave us a chance to uh, regroup and uh, find our game and end up winning the hockey game. It comes soon, too. First of all, it's just skill competition, so uh, no one no one really told me anything about it. But there, there is a couple of jokes because I was already planning on my vacation, and it, because it came so late, so everyone was just, like, making fun of me a little bit. Uh, except for being uh, somewhere in uh, hot weather, uh, I'll, just, I'll just spend my time in Columbus. So. Right, welcome back to uh, Habs 360. I'm Chris G. along with uh, Peter. Uh, we heard from the coach, Michel Terry, speaking about Carey Price. Following Tuesday night's game against the Nashville Predators, Carey Price allowed one goal on 37 shots, and Carey Price was the reason that this team was still in the game after two periods of play. And we also heard by, uh, from uh, Yirchi Seikach, who, just like Carey Price, is in Columbus right now enjoying the All-Star Game festivities. Both these players are part of the Foligno's t- uh, team. Reminded that Yuchi Seikach will only participate in uh, the All-Star Skills competitions tonight. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see the entire list of the participants, but the one thing that I did notice was that Yuchi Seikach will be part of the fastest skater competition tonight. That gets underway at 7 o'clock Eastern on uh, CBC in English and on uh, TVA Sports in French. And, Peter, maybe a little side note on the All-Star game with the, the six starting goaltenders, which are in the All-Star game. Sorry, six goalies, not the starting goaltenders. There's Crawford, there's uh, Luongo, there's Fleury, there's Price, there's Elliott, and there's um, Fleury. Pretty much certain that Carey Price will probably start be a starting goaltender uh, tomorrow. Oh yeah, I think it's pretty sure. And if uh, Pekarini was healthy, it would probably have been uh, Price and Rene being the two starting goalies. But uh, Carey Price is a given. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, his his goalies and his teammates in goal are Roberto Longo and Marc Andre Fleury. Which is wasn't it the same tandem that was at the Olympics? Uh, Luong- I think you're right. Luongo was number two, and I think Flurry was number three. So, I'm pretty sure history will repeat it. All right. So back to uh, Montreal Canadiens. Our Twitter question of the of this week's episode is: Do the Canadiens have what it takes to return to the conference final? Because we know that's where the Canadiens made it last year. They were two wins away from a Stanley Cup final, and we all know what happened against the New York Rangers. If if you don't think they have what it takes, well then, what's missing? So, let's start with you, Peter. Uh, answer the, if we answer that question, do you think right now Canadians, with the current roster that they have, 
can you make it back to the Eastern Conference final? I think to make it to the Eastern Conference final, uh, they're probably missing. Uh, like I've been saying, I think they still need a scoring winger, uh, uh, right winger on the on the top two lines, and uh, maybe another defenseman who can come in as a number a number four defenseman. I think that would pretty much solidify the Canadians making it uh, to the Eastern Conference uh, final. Uh, I think what's critical missing for the Montreal Canadiens is, like you mentioned, uh, basically a Thomas type player, like like uh, Bergevin brought in last year. I think if you add another score like that, they could easily make it to the Eastern Conference Final. When it comes to defense, uh, yeah, you could say that there's a gap. Is it critical? I'd say no, because the Canadiens have Carey Price in goal, who who can make up for a lot of mistakes a defenseman could make. So I think in defense, I don't think it's it's critical for them to make it there, but the top six forwards, it definitely is. On Twitter, we have Kiel Kongu. He writes, a top six winger to score some goals is what Habs need. Other than that, the depth on pretty good on all fronts. So it seems... It's a unanimous decision, and it's it's quite funny. Peter, years ago, we kept saying that we needed a big center. Now the conversation has gone to that we need a uh, a, a top six winger. So, Peter, uh, to obtain a, a top six winger, is there any current roster player that you think uh, that you, as a, if you were the general manager, do you think that Mark Bergevin would be willing to move before? trade deadline or would it be a kind of deal like he did last year to to obtain uh, Thomas Vanek? Yeah, I don't think uh, Bergevin is looking to dump a player. I think he's just looking to build around this team to add a missing piece. So I don't think uh, that anybody would be... Uh, I think he's looking more towards that. Like, uh, not maybe giving up on... Uh, uh, a young player that they think uh, doesn't have a future with the team. What about uh, like a couple of players that we spoke with with Terry? What about like a Tenordi or maybe even a Patterson? Patterson would be kind of hard to get value for just for him. Uh, I think Tenordi would be more of a target uh, from other teams. Uh, when it comes to a young player being involved in a trade. Now, are the Canadians willing to do that, or are they still willing to be patient with him? He's still very young. Uh, he's on the final year of his entry-level contract as well, so that plays a factor into it, even though he, he is an RFA, not a UFA. So, But I think Tenorti would be able to get you something uh, a lot more interesting than a great pattern. Yeah, and for sure, Tenorti on his own probably wouldn't get you just at the, the top six forward. You probably have to throw in like a, maybe a later draft pick to uh, to, to get somebody with a significance to get a top six forwards. So keep your comments coming. You can do it via Twitter at Habs360, via our phone line at one eight seven seven four five five forty nine forty five, and you can also do it through our Block Talk Radio chat room. And you can also give us your thoughts about 
would say approximately two hours ago, Commissioner Gary Bettman did confirm that on January 1st, 2016, Winter Classic at Foxborough Stadium between the Montreal Canadiens and the uh, Boston Bruins. Let us know what you think about that uh, game. And if you want to go, let us know, and we'll, we'll we'll hook you up. We'll spread the message if you want to start a if you want to start a group. I like PK Subban, you know. Again tonight, you know, last two games, I really, really appreciate the way that uh, he played. He was a true leader. He took charge, and um, he he, uh, he got a really good hockey game tonight. So that was uh, the coach talking about PK Subban following uh, Tuesday night's game against the Nashville Predators. And I agree with the coach at P.K. Subban, especially the game against Nashville. He had a great game. He had a good game against the New York Islanders as well, but so did so many other players. And it's quite the contrary to what we've seen, at least in the last couple of weeks from P.K. Subban, where he had that bad game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, where he took that penalty from the bench. And there was also a bad game against uh, the Ottawa Senators recently. And I know, Peter, we're talking about it, the Canadians... Uh, want to go to the Eastern Conference Final. If they do, uh, P.K. Subban definitely has to be at his best as well. Well, definitely. Uh, he's, uh, he's uh, you know, their workhorse on defense. He has to be uh, the best defenseman on this team and play, uh, be at 100% and uh, be at the top of his game for uh, this team to make any kind of run in the playoffs. So he averages about 25 and a half minutes of uh, of play so far uh, this season, and PK Subban not named to the All Star to the All Star game, which was quite uh, quite a surprise. And this is and it's not only a surprise in Montreal. Even if you if you watch the more the national outlets, they seem to agree as well that that uh, PK Subban was somebody that should have been named to uh, to the All Star team. If we go now to our Twitter account, we have a couple of comments that were sent to us in regards to uh, the Winter Classic. First one comes from David Olinger. He writes, not a big fan of these gimmick games, but it is getting boring beating the Bruins in regular arenas. So go Habs go. So he's getting bored, but you can never get bored of beating the Boston Bruins. Uh, Robert DeGrushi writes, I'd sure like to go. So he'd like to go. So if you want to if you want to go with uh, Robert, you can follow him on Twitter. Artist underscore Grooch is his Twitter handle. Robert is from, oh, he doesn't write from whatever he's at. And then we have uh, Christina Johnson, who is from Calgary, Alberta. She, she, writes, she writes, I'd love to go, but alas, hubby is too much a wuss for outdoor games and season now. So if you if you want to bring a lady from Calgary, Alberta with you to uh, the outdoor game at the Winter Classic, Christina Johnson is a name out there. I'm not sure she she'd be happy that I just tried looking for a date for her for her for New Year's in uh, 2017. So Peter. Uh, one more uh, piece of news before uh, before we go. It was announced, it was actually last Saturday during the Canadians against the New York Islanders broadcast on TVA Sports. Uh, Renaud Lavoie, who is the uh, the insider, he announced that the Canadian assistant coaches, Clément Jodoin, 
uh, Dan Lacroix, Stephen Waite, uh, they were all extended earlier this season to to three-year contract extensions. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on that decision made by the team? It's um, it's a very surprising uh, decision, but it seems like Mark Bergevin prefers that his coaching staff uh, have long-term contracts, just like he did with Michel Terrier. I think he just wanted to make sure that his staff is uh, settled in and not to be worried about uh, uh, their future. And I think he, it's also a sign of uh, him being uh, happy with the job they're doing. And uh, I guess it's a... You know, I'm not a big fan of that, actually, you know, especially since... Uh, there is a lot of movement in general in the league with uh, coaching staff and uh, let's say the team starts heading in the wrong direction, you're pretty much stuck with these contracts after paying them out. So I'm, I'm not a big fan of that, but good for them. I'm happy for them. And it also includes a name that I forgot, J.J. Daniel as well, was part of that list that, that obtained the E3 contract extension. I was... I'm surprised that this happened, especially that at the time that we don't know exactly when it happened, but earlier this season, well, even up to now, okay, Canadians have scored seven power play goals in the last four games, but before that, the power play was a big time bust. It wasn't working, and right in the middle of that is when you extend your assistant coaches to uh, to another three years. Not a fan. The only one that I'm really happy about is for Stephen Waite, the goaltending coach of the Montreal Canadiens because we've seen his work directly. We've seen what kind of work he's done with Carey Price. Carey Price has been a different goalie ever since Stephen Waite was brought into the organization. So with him, I have no issue uh, whatsoever because he, normally coaches and assistant coaches, when the run is done, they're they're all out together, except if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. But the goalie coach normally sticks around because he works with the goalie. It's a more of a one-on-one relationship and they're normally not attached to the rest of uh, the coaching staff. Example, J.J. Daniel, who is in charge of defensemen, is he doing a great job? You know, it's 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 hard to say. If you look at example, P.K. Subban and Alexi Amelin, so both these guys aren't having as good seasons as they had last year. And if you look at one thing in common, is Alexi Emelin, when we spoke about it, when we did our mid-season report card a couple of weeks ago, is he's not hitting anymore. He's not being physical. And if you look at P.K. Subban, he used to do those big hits along the boards. And honestly, I don't think we've seen even one this season. So is that a coincidence? Or is that, example, G.J. Daniel or the coach telling him to, uh, to adapt their game? And what we've seen for both of them is like I said, both of them have, well, especially Emlyn has regressed. P.K. Subban is less, uh, less flashy on, uh, on defense. So I think that's where my questioning around it is. And was it such a hurry to sign the assistant coaches? Like the head coach, I understand you extend them, but the assistant coaches, I don't think there's other teams, organizations knocking on the doors to uh, to hire Clément Jodouin or, uh, or J.J. Daniel. But it's not just that. It's also, Chris, a question of if another team 
I'll give you an example. Let's say like uh, last season with um, Gala, with Gerard Gala. Even if he had four or five years left on, on his contract, when a head coaching opportunity arrives, um, you know your current employer will never say will never uh, say no to you to accept that job. You know they always accommodate you. So. Looking at it in that way, what was the rush to extend the contract? Yeah, so we'll, we'll never find out. Maybe at the end of the season or something, maybe at some kind of press conference, it might be announced by uh, by Mark Benjamin, but until then, it will be unknown. All right, so remind you that the big news from today that was announced by Commissioner Bettman during the All-Star Game festivities in Columbus is that the Montreal Canadiens will take part of the 2016 Winter Classic Game in Foxborough against the Boston Bruins. So that should be a very exciting game event that the Montreal Canadiens organization will be a part of. I want to thank Terry Pekoski, who covers the Hamilton Bulldogs for the Hamilton Spectator, for joining us. Her Twitter handle is Terry at the Spec. So give her a follow. We've, uh, tw- we've tweeted out her Twitter handle uh, several times. Uh, this morning, so go there, click on her profile, and follow her. And if you're not following Habs360 on Twitter, go ahead and do it. We follow back every everybody who follows us as we like to engage in hockey conversations. Peter G at Peter Galanos, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Chris. I uh, want to remind you, special programming notes. Next week, it will be a special pregame edition of the Habs 360 podcast as the Habs prepare to face the Capitals. So we will be on the air live at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, Canadians facing the Capitals on uh, on the matinee, part of the Super Bowl weekend tradition. Thank you, everybody, for listening. But uh, before that, I'll, I'll tell you what the next Montreal Canadiens games are. Canadians on the break. Right now, they'll be back on the ice on a Tuesday night against the Dallas Stars, a 7.30 p.m. start a game that could be seen to viewers in Belleville East on Sportsnet East in English and on RDS in French. And on Thursday night, Canadians at Rangers, a 7 o'clock start, and that game, once again, only available to viewers Belleville East on Sportsnet East and RDS. So hope you enjoy the games. Next week, we'll be able to talk about them and preview the game against the Washington Capitals. Thank you for listening, everybody. My name is Chris G at Chris Nick on Twitter. We'll be back next Saturday, noon Eastern. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.